Good morning. Welcome to worship at King of Kings Church. We're so glad that you're here. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Pastor Kelsey Parker, and I am one of two pastors serving here at our congregation. Pastor Dave is visiting this morning at Faith Lutheran Church in Shelby, just as an informal sort of meet and greet with membership there to answer questions, to get to know people, and to just offer some partnership as we kind of move forward into our merger together as they will be coming to join us in January. Uh, For those joining us online, it is our custom and practice that we will have Holy Communion and you're invited to be a part of that. So you're invited to grab bread and wine or juice and have that prepared so that you can commune along with us this morning from home. My announcements for today are these. A huge thank you to all of you that helped fill out the gift bags and took gift cards from our caring and sharing tree in the lobby. There are a lot of children who will experience a bit more joy this time of year because of you. Tomorrow night at 7 p.m. is our annual Blue Christmas service. It's a worship experience dedicated to acknowledging that life is hard and can be more so during the holiday season for so many reasons, whether it's a life transition or losses that you have experienced throughout the year, those things can come and hit us even harder uh, during the Christmas time. So this is a service for you to be able to acknowledge that and bring all of who you are um, into worship. Uh, We'll be having a licensed grief counselor who will also lead a session from 5.30 on before the service starts at 7. They will be offering ways that you can cope through holiday celebrations this year and ways to find comfort and support. So come for the first portion, the second portion, which is the worship, or come for both. And please invite those in your life that might need a friend to come with them and come and join them for that. Tonight, our 7th through 12th grade Chaos Youth Group is meeting at 6 for a Christmas party. Um, If you haven't come before, come tonight. It's a great time to start, and feel free to bring a friend. Next Sunday is Christmas Eve (laughs) with worship times at 11 a.m., 5 p.m., and 7 p.m. The 11 a.m. service is going to have, instead of a formal sermon, we're going to be doing a shadow play, which will be a little more accessible for young ones and kind of engage and keep their attention. So we're going to gear that slightly more toward them, but I'll tell you, last year the adults loved it just as much as the kids. So if that's the time that works for you, come and join us. Uh, With that said, we're going to begin our service with the lighting of the Advent calendar, or the Advent wreath, and I'll invite our two readers to come forward for that. Hello. (laughs) Okay, we want everything to look nice. The decorations of the season, our homes with their lights and tinsel, wreaths and ribbon. We want to lighten the darkness around us and to bring beauty to the ugliness that wears us down. We decorate because it's tradition, because it lifts our hearts, because it makes us feel like children again. We deck the halls because company is coming. The prophet Isaiah smiled when he said, God will give a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a mantle of praise instead of a faint heart. No matter how far we feel from the spirit of the season, God promises to decorate us with love and with joy. 
We light this third candle as a sign of our joy in the beautiful things of this Satan. Not just the things that glitter and flash, but the deeper things. The beauty of the heart and the soul, the beauty of love shared in service and hospitality. We light this candle of joy because company is coming. O come, O come, Emmanuel. you would like to, and please greet your neighbors around you with a word of peace, a word of good morning, happy Advent, the like. Let us pray. Stir up the wills of your faithful people, Lord God, and open our ears to the words of your prophets that anointed by your spirit we may testify to your light and experience your joy this Advent season. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever, and all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. I invite you to be seated. Dear Church, grace to you and peace from the God who created you, from the Savior who redeems you, and from the Holy Spirit who calls you each by name. Amen. Two weeks ago, we started the Advent season, a usually four-week period of time, but with Christmas Eve falling on a Sunday, we really kind of only get three full weeks, but a period of time nonetheless. To set aside time, to take a breath in the midst of what can easily become too much hustle and too much bustle in a world getting ready for a day when we are getting ready for a person, for a savior, for our God. Two weeks ago, our Advent theme was hope, and Pastor Dave shared how the hope we find in the Bible isn't found because things are lining up in our life circumstances, but that hope comes through a relationship with a person, the person of Jesus. Regardless of our circumstances, even if we can't see the light at the end of whatever tunnel we're in, we have hope. Because our hope is in the one who loves, who lives, and who will come again. Last week, we walked through our second Advent, peace. And we learned that the peace, the shalomness, that was my favorite, the shalomness of our lives, or the shalom of the Bible, isn't just peace. 
peace as in an absence of war or an absence of conflict, but that shalom, peace, is a completeness, sometimes in the midst of conflict and chaos. And just like hope, peace can be experienced even in our toughest times. And so here I am for our third Sunday of Advent, our our week that is leading us up to Christmas Eve. And I told Dave, listen, you've set the bar really high with those Hebrew and Greek lessons that you've been giving everyone. And even though I was your TA in Hebrew in seminary, (laughs) I will not be giving a Hebrew lesson in church on Sunday. So we move forward with that permission. No Hebrew lessons today, although he's done a very good job with that. The theme today of joy, I have to admit, I found a bit daunting. Not because the theme itself is strange or because I don't have many examples of joy in my own life or in the world around me, or not because it isn't fitting for a season of Advent and Christmas. I mean, joy is kind of the thing when it comes to Christmas. Joy to the world is the hymn of all Christmas hymns, and the angels proclaim it from the night sky to the shepherds in Bethlehem, saying, I bring you good news of what? great joy. But even though joy seems like a slam dunk when it comes to Christmas, I had to find myself wondering, what actually is joy? Is joy the way we feel when we wake up on Christmas morning to a picture-perfect home with clean children, full stockings, and a day full of places to be and people to visit? Is joy the way we feel when everything has fallen into place and we've given or received the perfect gift and nothing has been left undone? Is joy the way we feel every moment of every day starting December 1st and carrying us all the way through to the new year? Because, well, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Is joy the way we're forcing ourselves to feel because, heaven forbid, our sadness, our loneliness might mess up somebody else's Christmas? Is joy the feeling we try desperately to cling to while avoiding the morning paper and silencing the 24-7 news cycle because we just can't be happy if we acknowledge how much the world is going through? You see, I think that there's a so-called gospel preached by our 21st century society, which is basically this. The good news is, don't worry, be happy. Put on a happy face. Smile and say you're fine. Pretend that everything is practically perfect in every way. Look happy, act happy, joy to the world. And that can work a little for a while, but doesn't that kind of joy ultimately leave us disconnected from ourselves, disconnected from the world, constantly chasing for that feeling? You know, like when the gifts are opened and unwrapped and the food and cookies are eaten and the Christmas trees put away and the lights are taken down and we find out, oh, we're still the same people, the same old world. Doesn't that type of joy require us to look away 
from the harsh realities of the world and live in a little bubble where we protect ourselves from feeling too much or too deeply? The Old Testament prophet Isaiah, who's been the source of all of our Advent scriptures so far, might just offer us a better good news of great joy that can actually withstand the realities of Isaiah's ancient world and our own contemporary world. Please follow along on the screen as I read from the 61st chapter of Isaiah. Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning. The mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations, and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a great people whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland. And as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots. And as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up. So the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. That is so good that Jesus himself stole it for his first sermon in the book of Luke. Wow, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The book of Isaiah offers us a pretty relevant and timely message throughout these first three weeks of Advent. And as I read these words of scripture written thousands of years ago, I couldn't help but think that Isaiah was indeed a true prophet who somehow from his vantage point in the past was able to see right through to the days and times that we're living in now. As he preaches about his present reality, the ancient ruins, the devastations, the ruined cities, the mourning, the ashes... I see reflected back our world. Here in these days of Advent, when we're yearning for peace and hope and joy and we're faced with a world that is anything but, we see hardship. People who are experiencing an economic squeeze, struggling to make ends meet. We see loss. The realities of illness and disease, which make no pause for Christmas celebrations. We see violence and we see war. 
We see children and adults lost in the rubble of bombs and devastations as cities are brought to ruin. We see injustice in the world and can't imagine we'll ever change the systems that are operating in our lives, in our world, across the globe that perpetuate the way things have always been. And all the while, the good news that the world has to offer is that we don't have to look if we don't want to. We can look away. We can turn off the news when it gets to be too much, or we can mask the pain that we ourselves are feeling with the latest purchase or a substance to numb it. So we can just feel a little bit of happiness. But is that joy? The good news of the prophet Isaiah, the good news delivered by the Spirit of the Lord to the prophet of old and to you and to me is this. We can find joy and meaning and hope and peace by looking deeply into the hurting places of the world and within ourselves. We don't have to look away. Did you hear what the prophet said? He sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoner, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I will greatly rejoice. My whole being will exult. The God of Isaiah paints a picture of joy that's wrapped up and dependent upon liberation, freedom, rescue, comfort in the midst of a hurting world. This joy isn't an escape from reality. It's a call to root ourselves more deeply in our reality and our world to lean toward those who are helpless, hopeless, and hurting, not because we get brownie points for doing it, but because maybe you are equipped to do one thing or to say one thing or to learn one thing or to forgive one thing that could shift the balance ever so slightly toward the justice and mercy and love of God. That's why it's pretty significant that when Jesus of Nazareth was born, it was announced by those angels singing to the shepherds as good news of what? Great joy. This news was delivered during a time when the Romans had conquered and occupied the Israelites. There was disease and famine and oppression and isolation, and yet in the midst of it, the birth of Jesus was to bring great joy. Not because Jesus was coming to whisk everyone away from the world, but because Jesus was going to walk straight into the pain of the world and redeem it, one loving action at a time. So what is joy? It is, as Isaiah foretold, tied up in that work of liberation, healing, reconstruction, rebuilding, and rescuing those who are hurting and left behind. Where is joy? It's as the angels proclaimed it, right in the heart of the most desperate places and times at the moment when you least expect it, but you need it the most. And what does joy feel like? 
Maybe it's like the feeling you get after you've walked a little bit farther than normal or run a little bit faster than you normally do, or stretched yourself more deeply than you thought you could stretch, and you know that your body's feeling a little sore, you're a little tired, you're a little bit breathless, breathless, and it hurts. But it's a good hurt, because you've done the hard thing, the good thing, the uncomfortable thing. You've leaned in and found yourself showing up when it mattered. So what if joy isn't the warm fuzzy or the hot chocolate blanket cozy cuddle, which I personally love, but joy is the deep, deep conviction of having been loved so much and freed so much and embraced so much by God that you have the strength to journey through the hard moments with your fellow human beings. Joy is the calm, the deep sigh, the slight ache, but the commitment to a better, more just world. May you spend the next few days wondering about that and wrestling with that and what it might mean to experience that kind of joy in your everyday life. May it free you from the false gospel of Christmas consumerism and holiday perfection, and may it equip you for the good work of justice and love that God is inviting you to do with him. May our joy spring from doing the work of God with our own hands. Let us pray. O come, O come, Emmanuel, indeed. Come into our hearts and our lives today, Jesus, and be the bringer of this deep, aching joy, especially when we aren't feeling the happiest. Enter into our hard times and remind us of your never-ending promise of new life. Free us from the burdens we carry so that we may more deeply experience you and one another. In your name we pray and all of God's people say, Amen. We'll now take a moment to receive our offering. I invite you to stand as you are able. With hope and expectation, we offer our prayers for the church, for the world, and all who wait God's day of restoration. At the end of each prayer, I'll say, Merciful God, please respond with, Receive our prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Creator, send forth your faithful people with words of promise and forgiveness. Teach us as your church to be bold in revealing your good news in word and in deed. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Reveal your majesty in mountain peaks, flowing rivers, and blossoming wilderness roads. Heal the earth where it longs for renewal. Bring wholeness to the earth and all its creatures. Merciful God, Turn the hearts of the nations toward righteousness and peace. Increase cooperation for justice between countries, commonwealths, political parties, and diplomatic leaders. Bring an end to war in the Middle East and throughout the world. In times of prosperity, direct leaders to be generous for the sake of all. Merciful God. 
Comfort your people with tender words of love and healing. Surround all who are grieving, all who know depression or anxiety, or all who feel lonely or forgotten. Be a steadfast presence when all feels uncertain. Merciful God, grant holy patience to all who are waiting this season. Give hope to those seeking employment. Bring reassurance to people awaiting new diagnoses or treatments. Merciful God, receive these prayers, O God, and all those too deep for words. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, as we now pray the prayer he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We now take a moment to reflect on our week and confess those times we failed to live as God would have us live. We say together, We confess that we are wrapped up in sin and cannot free ourselves. We nurture conflict and build walls. We neglect the needs of our neighbors and ignore the groaning of creation. Have mercy on us. Where we are self-centered, open our hearts. Where we are reluctant, give us courage. Where we are cynical, restore our trust. Renew us with your grace and give us the hope of new life in you. Amen. And we have an agreement here because I need to hear this as much as you, though after I proclaim to you what God has given you in forgiveness, please respond with, and also with you. Now, dear, hear, hear this, dear children of God. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us. And for his sake, God forgives all our sins. As a called and ordained member of the Church of Christ and by God's authority, I declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And please respond with and also with you. Amen. Please be seated as I give a few instructions for communion. If you have a preference to commune from your seat with an individual cup that's prepackaged, those are available on the table. Feel free to, to wander over there and grab one at your convenience if that is what works best for you. And at home, if you're communing with us online, you can bring out your bread and wine or grape juice now as we prepare ourselves to receive these gifts. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Soon the ushers will come down the aisles and invite you to come forward for communion. 
You'll come to the first person who will place into your hands the bread. If you prefer a gluten-free wafer, please let the deacon know or make eye contact with me. I will have the container and we'll let you take out that wafer on your own. We won't touch that before it gets to you. As you move to the next station, you are invited to take from the tray either red wine or golden grape juice. As you take both of those in, we invite you to continue to walk to the outside where you'll find a basket to place your communion cup. And if any children who haven't yet gone through First Communion instruction would like to come forward to receive a blessing, please do that as well. And if you're communing at home or from your seats, the body and blood of Christ given and shed for you. For the rest of us, come for all is ready. Please stand as you are able. May the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you in his grace. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. People of God, go in peace. Share the good news. Thanks be to God.